Bienvenido and welcome to the Word Con Sazon podcast, a sermon collective of reforming Latinos. The following sermon was given by Pastor Aldo Leon of Pinelands Presbyterian Church in Cutler Bay, city of Miami, Florida. For more information about Aldo or the church, please go to our show notes below. And thank you for listening to the Word Con Sazon. We're going to be in Revelation until we get out of the backyard. So it, it, maybe we'll go through the whole, I don't know. My, my plan is just to be in Revelation as far as we're like in this situation. Uh, I want to read the verses. Uh, it's really, this is part two of the ones before. And um, Revelation 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll just, I'll just read the, all the verses again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that are soon to take place. He made it known by sending it to his angel and to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne and Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now this is where we'll be today. To him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him and all the tribes of the earth will wail and account him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So listen, I want to just remind you really quickly, Revelation is written in a world where there's a lot of calamity and danger and pestilence and death and persecution and instability. And what John does, John does not become a social commentator, okay? John does not become a situational expert. He just keeps doing what he always does. He becomes a Christ expounder. Okay, so if John was in our time, which is chaotic for us, not as chaotic as Revelation, he would not become a social distance herald, okay? John, the, the apostle, would not become a Corona Facts herald. He would not become a government guidelines herald. He would not become a all of the ways you can protect yourself herald. If John were here now, he would just simply be a Jesus herald, okay? Now, we have plenty of people expounding that. But when the church gathers to process difficulty, we need someone to expound to us the supremacy of Christ. You ready? So John is going to tell us who Jesus is, and then he's going to tell us who we are, and then he's going to tell us what our goal is, and then he's going to tell us what our mission is. So who Jesus is, who we are, what our goal is, and what our mission is in the midst of chaos and calamity. So here's the first point uh, if you are writing is who is he, okay? Now who Jesus is, is a unilateral lover. When you say what is unilateral, it just means one-way lover. What does the text say? To him who loves us. Now, when John says to him who loves us, it's not saying just that he happens to love us in this moment. That's simply who Jesus Christ is. So some of you are anxious people. Some of you are angry people. You're just an angry person. You're just an anxious person. That's just who you are. 
Who is Jesus? Jesus is a one-way lover of his people. That's who he is. He just loves us, not because of us. That is his natural, always eternal bent. And so when the church is going through something calamitous, let me tell you something. What is most essential is for you to hear things that are really rock solid, really profound, and really stabilizing. And you saying, I love Jesus, and I enjoy Jesus, and I worship Jesus, is not going to make you feel safe in calamity, okay? But knowing that you are loved perfectly, eternally, unilaterally, unconditionally by Christ, will stabilize you in chaos. So listen, beloved, what you need to know most importantly is the one who rules the world loves you. What's most important right now, you don't need to know everything about everything that's going on. That's not what's most important. What you need to know is the, is the one who rules everything loves you. The most important thing for us right now is not to avoid danger, avoid difficulty, avoid challenges, but to understand that Jesus loves us deeply and, and passionately in the midst of danger and instability. Okay? That is what is most important. What is most important is not that we can have an easy, convenient, and somewhat practical existence, but what is most important is that you would right now understand that Jesus Christ is one who simply loves his people. He loves you. He loves you in spite of you. He loves you in spite of calamity. He loves you in spite of weakness. And that's just simply what he does. So, beloved... Let me, let me just connect it really practically. What you need to understand right now, more than anything else, is not how you feel about the situation. How you feel about the situation is very, very secondary. What's most important right now is not how people feel about the situation. Not how people feel about you even is most important. You know what's most important is what Jesus feels about you. And now the people of God need to focus with a laser beam intensity on how Jesus feels about his people. Not how you feel about Jesus. Not how people feel about you. And not how you feel about the situation. But how Jesus feels about us as the one-way lover. But beloved, he's not just a, he's not just a one-way lover. He's also a powerful leading liberator. Look at the text says, to him who loves us and has what? Set us free, loosened us from our sins by his blood. I think sometimes we just stop with the Jesus loves me stuff, okay? Oh, Jesus loves me. But beloved, yes, he does, but he also has liberated you from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. Listen, Jesus is not some savior who looks at you in the cell of your sin and just says, I love you. And I'm going to come back next tomorrow and just say, I love you. That's not the kind of person he is. Okay. Jesus is the kind of lover who, who busts you out of that cell and liberates you by his blood. So you know what that means for us now? You are free from the power of fear, beloved. Fear is not your master. The one who loosed you by his blood is your master. You are, free, you are free from selfishness and self-obsession. Why? Because our king is a powerful liberator who has freed us by his blood. You are free from the need to be enslaved and controlled by people because your king is a powerful liberator. 
You are free from yourself. You are free from your unbelief and your doubts and your idols because Jesus is not just a one-way lover. He is a, he is a powerful looser of the problem of sin and he has busted and broken all the things that enslave us as it pertains to sin. Beloved, you are free. Free from all the things that bind us as it pertains to our issues. You are free from the need to control people. You are free from the need to be bitter. You are free from the need to have everything other than Jesus as your need, (laughs) okay? Now, listen, you know what John, what's interesting? John says that Jesus is the liberator of our sins, but you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say he liberates us from danger and difficulty, does he? Doesn't say he's he's a liberator of of, of people sinning against us, a liberator of, of, of people shaming us, a liberator of, of risk, a liberator of difficulty and cost. He's not that kind of liberator, guys. He is an ultimate liberator, a higher liberator, a supreme liberator. He liberates us from the most essential things. Those things are not things he will free us from. I was talking to a Christian last night, not from here. And I was trying to explain to them is that Jesus does not save you from suffering and difficulty and pain. He saves you from sin. And that is what, listen, what we need right now, more than anything, is to understand what kind of an invincible, profound, ultimate liberator Jesus Christ is. And cling to that and lay hold of that right now, beloved. You're not saved by how socially active you are. You're not saved by how socially isolated you are. You're not saved by how you feel right now. You're not loose and free based upon how much stuff you can stockpile. You're not loose and free and saved based upon how many guidelines you can keep. You are loose, you are saved, you are free by the blood of Jesus. Beloved, we're free in the blood. We're not free by anything else. And so John says, listen, listen, listen to me very carefully. Who Jesus is is a one-way lover and he's an ultimate supreme liberator. He didn't free us just from our small sins or our not so difficult sins. He frees us from all our sins, past, present, and future, and calls us to live in the freedom of that. Beloved, you are free. So that's who Jesus is. But here's the second thing. Who are we in light of who is he? And here's the first thing I say about this is that we are collective communers we collectively commune with god you say why do you say that do you want to just say what you want to say in this moment let me let me show you why i'm saying why is who we are a collective community of communers with god it says he has made us what a kingdom a kingdom with his what priests to his god and father so listen john is saying have you, have you ever heard christians say uh that you need a personal relationship with jesus I would like for you to show me where the Bible says that. Um, the Bible says that we have a collective kingdom society relationship with Jesus. Okay? And John is saying, listen, Roman society, your society is going crazy right now. Okay? And John doesn't say, yo, let me tell you how Jesus is going to fix your society. Let me tell you how Jesus is going to make everything in Roman society right. He says, yo, let me tell you about the ultimate society that you're a part of. You are a part of a heavenly society. You are a part of an invincible society. You are a part of a collective kingdom that is unbreakable and unshakable. You know why? Because Jesus is the one who made it. (laughs) 
The government did not make our kingdom. Our families did not make our kingdom. Society did not make our kingdom. Who made our kingdom? Jesus Christ. And since Jesus Christ gave us our collective heavenly kingdom passport, it can't be broken. It can't be taken away. It can't be shifted. It can't be, uh, it can't be stopped because we are a part of a collective society that is made by the omnipotent power of the king. And so listen, John is saying as, as, as their common society is going crazy, he's saying, listen, I want you to understand that the society of Jesus that you've been made a part of by his blood defines you right now more than anything on the ground. Do not define Jesus society by the earthly society. Define earthly society by the Jesus society because that's what's most definitive of you. Let me tell you, you want to know something? How, how, where, where's your family from? Where's your family from? Where, where are you guys from? Kyle, where are your people from? Where are you guys from? In heaven, you only got one passport. And none of those things are on your passport. And so that has to define the people of God as society unravels. You are a part of the ultimate society, unbreakable society, collective society built by the king directly in his blood and resurrection. But there's something else that's important about this society. It's not just a collective society, but it is a society of priests. Now, priest is simply means this. We are a group of people who get access to God. Okay, so in the Old Testament, what no one had access, right? You can stay in the outer court, and if you're a Levite, if you if you want the priest, you can come into the inner court, and if you're one of the high priests, you can come into the Holy of Holies. But basically, everybody did not have access. Even the high priest did not have much access because he went in there and ran out. John is saying, guess what? All y'all have access in your covenant community with the living God. That's who you are. Who are, you say, man, why, why y'all go to church? And why do you do this church thing? You know, what is that about? It's about us having direct and immediate, actual proximity and close, sacred access to God. <laughs> That's who we are. You say, who we are? We are a people who sit in dad's living room in his very presence of the living God. And that presence, I don't know about you, did you feel that today? I felt the living God's presence. Why? Because that's what this is. This is a place where sinners on the ground have a footstool of God's presence in the living room where God meets us through Jesus Christ. And you know what? Right now society is telling us, what are they telling us about our temple? Get away from the temple, it's, it's dangerous, right? Get away from the temple, it's dangerous. And God in, in this letter is saying, this is the sanctuary of God where he protects the temple, where he builds the temple, where he extends the temple, where he edifies the temple, where he makes his power known to his people. This is the power of Almighty God present in the living room with his kids this is the sanctuary this is the building where we hide not the building where we hide from now you say how can you say that because john says that to the church as they are in the worst situation in their life he says don't you know who you are you're a kingdom 
and you're a kingdom of priests, which means you have a right to access the living God through Jesus Christ together. Beloved, do not get it twisted. God is building, protecting, establishing his religion. Christianity is not a religion where we, we come over here and we get a nice message to have personal, uh, personal like, you know, uh, killing it in your life, okay? Christianity is not you coming over here and getting an ethical lecture from a preacher about some morals you're supposed to do. Christianity is not you getting motivation so that you can have a very successful personal life. You know what Christianity is, beloved? It is you entering into the presence of God through Jesus Christ and being transformed by the power of God's actual presence as an actual priest. And you walk out of here transformed, not by a bunch of nice thoughts by a preacher, but you come here transformed by the presence of Almighty God as a priest who has access. Now, isn't that amazing about church? Isn't that incredible? John says, you are priests. You are a society of priests. You have the privilege of communing in the presence of Almighty God. And that is what defines you more than the chaos on the ground. So who he is, is a one-way lover. He is a ultimate liberator. Who we are, we are a collective society that communes with God. What is our purpose? You ready? Ready for our purpose? Now I've lost like uh, all my fluids. I'm going to need to be up here like a basketball player. Um, you know, drinking Gatorade and stuff. So here's our purpose, beloved. Our purpose is that God would be supreme and we would be really small. That God would be supreme and that we would be really small. Why do you say that? Look, it says, now the glory and the dominion are his forever and ever. So why are we a kingdom of priests? Why does Jesus love us? Why did he free us? So, so we could have a nice experience with God so we can go to heaven. No, he did this so that he could make his supremacy known. So he can make his awesomeness moan and our smallness can be hidden under his supremacy. That's what John is saying. Now, here's a picture that I think it may be helpful. Um, this pool is pretty cool. We, we were swimming in it yesterday. Okay. And you can do a lot of cool things in pools. You can do flips in pools. You can do aerobics in pools. You can play in pools. But what happens to everybody who has a pool? You get bored. Everyone who has a pool gets bored of it, and then you kind of like have to reinvent yourself after you after you after you take a uh, some space from it, right? Why? Because it's small. But when I go to the Keys and I put my little small chicken leg behind on the shores, and I look at the massive glistening ocean, that never gets old to me. You know why? Because that body of water next to me is so much larger and I'm so small and all those little glistening waves are just a part of this massive, huge, never-ending seeming reality, beloved. That's who we are. We are a bunch of little, tiny, glistening waves in the ocean of God's supremacy. And what God wants to do right now, what God wants to always do is to make his supremacy look really, really big and make us look really, really small. Now, let me unpack what that means. Listen, God is saying to, 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 to the church in Revelation that the calamity that you're in, 
the chaos that you're in, the drama that you are in is because God wants to make his supremacy really big and make you look really small. And you say, how on earth can John being on an island in prison and people getting their heads chopped off and people getting like plagues, how can that be something that makes God supreme? You ready for another picture? Ready? Okay, the, the, the Robolons are ready. When I, in, in my backyard, sometimes it gets really windy because um, we're close to the bay. And when it gets really windy, you notice that all the things that don't have a whole lot of weight, they just get carried away and knocked over. And the things that have a lot of weight stay. You see where I'm going with this? Right now, there is winds of providence. There is winds of chaos. And all of your light stuff is getting blown away. And you know what you want to do, beloved? You want to go put weights on all that light stuff. Put weights on all those small things. But God is saying, listen, I am blowing everything away that you want to trust so you could know that I am the supreme one, the weighty one, the mighty one that you cannot blow away and you have me. And so why does chaos and calamity serve the supremacy of God because it blows away all the light things that we are building ourselves on. And right now, American society and all of our puny, wooden, bobblehead Jesus are getting blown away. And God is saying, now you see what stands. The living God, the almighty God, the God of the scriptures, not the God of American Christianity that can't stand no difficulty. So John says, he is making his supremacy and massiveness known. He is making the fact that Jesus Christ is an liberator bigger than your physical health, bigger than your job, bigger than your everything, beloved. Jesus is making how weighty he is really known and how small we are and everything is really known. And we need to stop tying weights to all of our light things that are not God. Stop tying Waits. That is our purpose. You ready for our mission? Here is our mission. This is a very interesting passage. <clears throat> when I thought about it, I was like, what a strange passage to put at this point. Let me read the passage before I, I state what the, what the point is. Look what it says. It says, look. He is coming with the clouds. That's referencing Daniel 7. And every eye will see him, including those who pierced him. And all the families of the earth will mourn over him. That's Zechariah 12. This is certain. Amen. So here's what John is, John is doing. John is citing Daniel, which is talking about the ultimate kingdom of God coming by the Son of Man exalted on the throne. And he's also citing a text that talks about the nation of Israel ending and life ending and everyone bowing, every single person in the whole society of Israel bowing at the king and confessing the pierced one who they pierce as Lord. So interesting, John is taking end time texts, end of the world texts, apocalyptic texts, and he's applying them to the church's mission. Is that interesting? Now, why? I'm like, John, are you a pastor? Do you not care? Why are you in the end of the world? And obviously, the, the world's always ending a little bit, okay? Sometimes, and right now, it seems like 
the world's end just got like a little bit a few notches, right? But the world is always ending. And now it just seems to be a little bit more a little bit more heightened as we approach the future. And so John is saying, as the world is that they know it at that time is in many ways collapsing, John is saying, listen, the mission of the church is that we would preach and proclaim a redemptive end, a saving end where your life ends in Jesus Christ. Your life ends in the pierced one. Your life ceases to be what it was in the one who was pierced. And he's saying, church, listen, as the world is finding its small and larger ends, you have to be a business about ending people's lives in the death of Jesus and coming out of the tomb resurrected. Are you following me? Saying, listen, the world's ends are not redemptive ends. They're not positive ends. They're not good ends. But the pierced one, the one who was pierced and the one who was raised, when you come to find your end in him, you find redemption, you find freedom, you find a new creation, a new life. And so he's saying that as the world finds some kind of end, we need to be about the ultimate and greatest end of all time, and that is the end of us in Christ and the new life in the resurrection. And some of you may, may, may be saying like, um, can, can, can you can you can you say a little bit more about that? Listen, let me let me try to be as 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 fair as I can, and maybe I won't be fair. The mission of Christians is not to stockpile on stuff to kind of finally coast to the end. Okay, that's not our mission. I'm not telling you don't go to Aldi's and get stuff. You should, but that's not our mission. Our mission is not to stockpile and, and go in a corner for, for the rest of the year. That's not our mission, beloved. Our mission is to bring people to know the pierced one and how they have a better redemptive end in Christ. That is our mission. Now, by all means, get your stuff. But our mission is to bring people to know the pierced one, to understand that there is a better end. And some, some people will say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. How can you tell me that some guy who died can actually give me a new world, a new life? Didn't he die? Like, that, that, that doesn't seem too impressive, right? How can a dead guy who was pierced and died just like a criminal, how can that be something that gives me a total end of my old and a total embracing of my new? Well, look at it says. Look at the verse. It says, the alpha, I am, Jesus talking about himself now, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and the one who was, and the one who is coming, the Almighty. Do you know why the one who was pierced can bring you to an end of your life and a new beginning and an eternal life? Do you know why? Because the one who was pierced is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who created reality. He is the one who sustains reality. And he is the one who will perfect reality. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is before all things and he is after all things. He is the sum of all things. That's why... Pierce one being believed by you can bring you to a redemptive end. So listen, because Alpha and the Omega died, all of your past no longer defines you. All of your past no longer defines you. Past defines you now. So now you live from faith in Jesus' past that rewrites your past. You don't live stuck in your past. He is the one.
That means that what defines you now is not the news of the now. It's not the reality of the now. It's not the facts of the now. It's of the Almighty One, the Alpha and the Omega who was pierced, beloved. Your present is now defined by the Jesus story. Your now defined by the Jesus story because the Alpha and the Omega who is was pierced and raised. Your now is not. Means also, beloved, that your future is defined by what happened to Jesus, the one coming. So guess what? Your future is not with how service goes. Your future is not depend on how the economy goes. Future does not depend on how around you act stable or not. Your future is sealed and secured in the Alpha and the Omega's past where he was pierced. What happened? And let me tell you, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Y'all talking about yourselves. I don't know. Big question mark for my future. But I know that my future is not defined by my future. It is defined by the one who was pierced me, who is the and the omega, and his past has secured my future. Jesus and perfected everything that will happen to me because the alpha, the one who is, and the one and the one who's coming. Your past, beloved, has been rewritten by the Your present, beloved, has been rewritten by the story of Jesus. And your future has been rewritten by the story of Jesus. Now, let me close with this one illustration. How many of you have seen, um, I'm assuming everybody lives on Netflix now, right? No, I'm a, it's all about Disney Plus, homie. Have any of you heard the, 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 the show called Six Feet Under? Okay, this is my, my closer, so just listen. Bear, bear with me. So Six Feet Under is a story about these military guys who are like, man, when you're in the military, I, I got to be careful. Where's Andrea? Be like, wait. Look, I'm just telling the story of, 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 of the story. I'm not making a statement about what I think about military, okay? But basically, he says that, we can't just be, be, be killing dudes and doing missions because there's too much politics in the military. There's too much politics in the government. And so sometimes we kill the right guy. Sometimes we kill the wrong guy. And so basically, all these military dudes are like, listen, let's all fake our deaths and have new identities so that now we can do whatever we think we should do. Now, obviously, humans will always do the wrong thing. But it, I find it fascinating because they say the only way we can be truly free to do what's right is that we have to die and have new identities that are not based upon our previous life so that we can do what's right. So what John is saying in the midst of calamity and the midst of chaos, he's saying, listen, Christians, you need to realize that you already died to this reality. Do you know that? When you came to Jesus, this reality and what defines this reality and what drive you died to that and you were buried okay and now you're walking this earth as dead men whose old identities have been canceled out so now you can do what god wants because you died and you're no longer subject ultimately to this reality when you die beloved you are free 
from all the politics and political things and all the manipulations that happen in human society. You are free. Why? Because you died. I had a funeral and that funeral happened 2,000 years ago with Jesus. And when he died, I died. And so now I am free right now. I am free to do what God calls me to do because I'm dead already. (laughs) I'm dead. You can't charge dead men. You can't kill dead men. You can't. What you going to tell a guy? You know what's funny? I'll give one more picture. And I'm not saying anything about this show other than just giving an example. How many of you are familiar with the Army of the Dead in Game of Thrones? Army of the Dead. So in, in, in Game of Thrones, there is this army of zombies that everyone is scared of because guess what? They're already dead. So if you're already dead, you don't care about the opposition. You don't care about their resources. You don't care. Why? Because you're already dead. Beloved, that's us. We are an army of the already dead. We were already buried in Christ. And now we were not just dead, but we were raised. So now we don't even think about the risk involved because we died already to this reality. And we have been secured in the new creation reality. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And now as dead men, we now march forward in the freedom as dead men who are raised. So John is saying that as you consider the one who was pierced to bring your old world to the end, understand that you died to that world, so now you can live in light of the new world and what it calls you to. Amen? All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the one who loves us. I thank you that you are the one who freed us by your blood, not by our positive thinking, not by our tactics, not by, but you freed us by your blood from the ultimate binding, You didn't loosen us. You loosened us entirely. Thank you. I thank you that you have made us a kingdom of priests. We are, everyone now is looking for security. Everyone now wants stability. And you have made us an invincible, unbreakable, heavenly kingdom. Thank you. And not just a kingdom that cannot be broken, but you've made us priests. We get to be with you. We get to be around you. We get to sit at your feet, at your living room, and encounter your real presence. And you made us to live for your glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And we get to preach and proclaim the one who is coming with the clouds, the pierced one, who all must find the redemptive end in, and we must live in light of. We thank you and we praise you that in the midst of things on the ground, you open up the seals of heaven and release and and reveal Christ to us. In your name we pray, amen. This sermon was given to you by Pastor Aldo Leon of Pinelands Presbyterian Church. If you're ever in the city of Miami, Florida, go check them out. Pinelands Presbyterian Church. If you want more information about the church or about Pastor Aldo, go to our show notes. And thank you for listening to The Word on Sazon Podcast. Sermon Collective of Reforming Latinos.